I'm going to go ahead and, and lead us into our, our sermon, and then we'll call up um, whoever is reading scripture in just a second. But if you've been with us this summer, we are in this series that we're calling Apprenticing the Master. And it's this idea that um, as Christians, that word Christian can be really dangerous because Christian has come to be something that just means like I, I subscribe to this set of beliefs. But that's not what it is to actually f- be a follower of Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus says in scripture, even the demons believe things correctly. So it's not just to believe. It's not just to mentally assent to to certain facts about the way things are and how this world came to be and who God is and who Jesus is and what it means that he is a savior. It's it's to actually be a disciple. And that word disciple has kind of lost meaning in our culture. So we've talked about the word apprentice. Um, that we, as anyone who is a Christian, anyone who is a follower of Jesus, is called to be an apprentice of Jesus, to literally follow him, to be with him, to stick tightly with him, to emulate his words, to emulate his actions, to learn from him, to learn to see life the way that he sees life, to, fa- to factor everything through that grid of I, my goal in life and what we believe is full, mature, full maturity and full human flourishing is to be just like Jesus because he is the most complete human who has ever lived. He is the only good person who has ever lived. That he is the only one who knows what life is, how to access it, and how to be a giver of life. And so we are saying when we say yes, I need a savior, that savior is Jesus, and now I'm following him with my life, just like the disciples did in first century as Jesus walked the earth. What I'm saying is that I actually need to be apprenticing him, that that is my aim in life, and I'm gonna arrange my life around that. I'm not gonna arrange my life around the way that other people think about me, of trying to please somebody, whether that's a family member or a significant other, or my children, or my parents, and I'm not gonna arrange my life around work and getting ahead at work and climbing the corporate ladder or any other hobby or any other occupation or any other calling. We're saying that following Jesus is priority one by a long shot. And then we believe that he is gonna help us show us how to do all these other things in a way that is submitting those things to him. You have called me to these other things. You have called me to work. You have called me to this family. You've called me to these friendships. You've called me to this neighborhood. You are the one who's put me in these places for your good purposes, not so that I can build my own kingdom or so that I can build my reputation or so I can feel good about myself or that I can follow the same things that the world is following and the culture is following to tell me like, that I'm living a good life and that this is what it's all about that actually this is all for your purposes, I belong to you, and I need to learn from you. And so this summer, uh, we've been in this series because um, we we just know that this is true about us, that we're way more comfortable consuming information and participating than we are actually following him and trying to practice the life that he's called us to practice with him. And so each week we've kind of taken one bite-sized element of some aspect of following, apprenticing Jesus and trying to really focus on that and put it into practice. And so this week um, we're talking about apprenticing the master in our words. And, And a reminder, Jesus said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. This is not a burden to apprentice him. This is where life is. 
And so as we apprentice Jesus in our words, something that he said is out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the words that are coming out of my mouth are an overflow of what is in my heart. And so that's why this really matters. Um, If we look at Jesus, Jesus is the word of God. So God's word in the flesh. So what, what was Jesus doing with his life as the living, acting word of God? And what, what were the words that our master Jesus were coming out of his mouth? What did he use his words for? And so, I mean, you know, we could, we could go through all of the gospels and, and literally read the accounts of, of how he lived and how he spoke, but here's some things that he used his words for. He used his words to forgive, to heal, to pray, to welcome others, to encourage, to speak truth, to teach, to guide, to worship, to testify to God's glory, to cheer, and to set free. And Jesus' words are very powerful. And he's, he's, hold on one second. He is using his words Uh, he is using his words to do all of these things and in, in, in almost to create and continue the creation of, of things in the world. He's creating new life through his words. He is, he is changing lives. He's bringing flourishing through his words. And we as his apprentices are called to do the same. And so because we're just talking about words and we're not talking about actions, it's too easy for us to just hear that and say, okay, great, got it. Yeah, just use my words to do things like that. And so today what we're going to do is we're actually going to be in a, in a passage in James 3 because what we need to do to really respect and appreciate our, our deep need to apprentice him very closely in this is we need to see the truth about who we are and what our words reveal about ourselves. Um, it, it's like the difference between if you're trying to follow somebody in a neighborhood you've never been in, and someone's like, hey, hey, follow me, we're gonna go to this other place, and we're in this like just suburban neighborhood. Um, you're not really gonna be super concerned about following very closely, uh, because it's, we're in a safe place, there's a sidewalk, yeah, I kinda got it, I'm great. But it'd be a very different story if you were in the Amazon, and it was in the middle of a war zone. And somebody was like, hey, follow me through the Amazon jungle to get to this safe place. You're like, okay. <laughs> like, I'm gonna be paying much closer attention. I'm gonna be right on you, and I'm, I'm not gonna let you leave my sight because I am in desperate need. I've never been here before. I would not be able to make it through the Amazon jungle alone safely, so I'm gonna stay right with you as my guide. And it's too easy for us to believe, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm just, I, I use my words well. I say kind things. Um, and to just totally miss this and sort of pull back and detach from this tight apprenticeship that we need in the way that we use our mouths. So if uh, whoever's reading scripture would come on up. Eric. We're going to be in James 3, verses 1 through 12. James 3, 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that who, we, who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How a great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Father, may uh, the words that come out of my, my mouth right now uh, be pleasing to you, Lord, and would you accomplish the purposes for which you sent your word to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, James is one of Jesus' actual like, physical brothers, um, and he became a disciple uh, after at first doubting Jesus, just like the rest of his brothers and sisters. And then James went on to lead the first church in Jerusalem. And so this early disciple of Jesus is here teaching us, helping us uh, apprentice the master as well. And he starts off these first couple verses by saying, um, even teachers, even those who God has called to teach, um, like the elders in our body and and the rest of those who have uh, been called to teach the word of God to other people, even teachers, he says, are still little children. There is no graduation. There is no graduation to not needing the Lord Um, even teachers uh, will be judged. We will all be judged with greater strictness and teachers included, we all stumble in many ways. James is saying every single one of us stumbles, sins in what we say and in what we do. And then he says, he explains the connection between why words are so powerful. The connection between the mouth and the body. Verse two, he says, Um, if anyone does not stumble or sin in what he says, he is a perfect man, also able to bridle his whole body. And he gives this first example. If we put bits into the mouths of horses, these tiny bits, these tiny pieces of metal, if you put that into a horse's mouth so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. If you've ever ridden a horse, you know that if the horse is, is running crazy, you just pull back and he stops. There's something about the mouth that James is saying is the same way on, in, in us. It's, it's wherever our mouth takes us, our body follows. And if our, if our mouth stops, then our body stops. So there's this connection between what we say and then what we do. Our body follows the words that are coming out of our mouth. But then he gives us uh, a little bit more insight in this next picture about ships and rudders and pilots and says, The same thing in verse four, look at ships also, though they're so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by by a very small rudder. 
And it's the same idea of the bits and the horse's mouths. But then he, he sort of opens the door a little bit more and says, it's not just the ship and the rudder. There's also a will of a pilot who is steering the ship, who is changing the direction of the rudder. So yes, the rudder changes where the ship goes, but the rudder moves based on the will of the pilot. And now we're going to hear a little bit about the will of the pilot, the will of those of us um, who are following Jesus, Every, everybody, but even those of us who are following Jesus, um, our tongues are like these rudders that steer our lives. But what is, what is true about the will of the one who uses the tongue? And so starting in verse, verse 4, he says, um, or sorry, verse five, he says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. That word boast is to express an unusually high degree of confidence in. Uh, we would say in this case, an inappropriate degree of confidence. Uh, that there is, what is coming out of our mouths is arrogance. I know. I know how things are. I know this. I know that. I, my judgment of things is best. There's this, this flood that's coming out of our mouths that is shaping reality for us and is shaping and, and really more accurately to say distorting reality for us and for those around us. This tongue in us boasts of great things. And then it says this, how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. You think about wildfires and how do they begin? They begin with the tiniest spark on this dry tinder and then acres and acres of forests are decimated by this blaze that is wild and uncontrollable. And he uses this picture because he says, y'all, this is the way that our mouths work because of the will of the one who is directing the tongue, there's something wrong with that will. Verse six, the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life and itself set on fire by hell. That's not encouraging. <laughs> setting fire to what is good. Think about the destruction of words. Think about the, the words of flirtation that lead to adultery that decimate families. Think about the, the careless words to a child that impacts how that child grows up in the world and sees themselves and sees God. Think about words of rejection, words of severing relationships, words that start wars. These words are powerful and they set in motion destruction and bring destruction to God's good things and God's good creation and God's good world. He says that the tongue is a world of unrighteousness. What's really happening is it's, it's almost like we're creating a new world with our mouths. We're creating a new world that is distorted that instead of being a place where things flourish, it's a prison where things are enslaved. What do I mean by that? It's the, the creative power and the destructive power of words. Going back to the way that God uses words in the garden and the way that the enemy uses words in the garden. God literally spoke a perfect, beautiful, good world into existence through only his words. And then the enemy comes and uses his words to twist and distort and lie and bring destruction 
and, and a whole forest is set ablaze. The whole world and every creature in it is affected by sin now because of the power of these words. Proverbs 15.4 says the same thing. A healing tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness or twisting or distorting the truth, perverseness in it breaks the spirit. So when I use my words in ways that are inappropriate, um, I am creating a new world. Think about the ways that we do that. Um, when I complain, what I'm saying when I complain is that things should be the way that I think they should be. That my standard is the standard and there's something wrong if things don't line up. I'm making a, a value statement on the world that if things aren't the way that they should be, then someone is to blame. And really, if we follow that thread to the end of the line, it's God. God is to blame because things aren't the way that I believe they're supposed to be. And I'm planting that seed in your minds too when I speak. When I exaggerate and minimize, I mean, think about those words. I'm literally making something grander or shrinking something down. I am, I am exaggerating myself and my worth and my goodness or fill in the blank. And I'm minimizing my faults and my weaknesses and where I'm wrong. I gossip, I change the reality, the perception of other people about you when I speak about you in a, in a way that is gossiping or slandering. Now I've created a false world that people live in when they see you. And they see you the way that I have painted you with my words. When I lie, literally create a world that is false. When I defend myself, on and on, you get the picture. We create worlds and imprison ourselves and others in those worlds. And think too about the words that don't even leave my mouth. Think about the words that don't leave our mouths but that we speak to ourselves day in, day out, over and over and over again. We are always shaping, crafting, creating the worlds in which we live by the way that we talk to ourselves about ourselves lies that we're believing about ourselves that are not true, value statements about who we are, value statements about what it is, what I need to do or what I need to be to be okay, value statements that I tell myself about the people I'm surrounded by. As I grumble about you and your sin and the things that I wish I could change about you, it's this, this whole distorted world that we're creating. We're tearing down... <laughs> the world that God has built and we're building this new distorted, twisted world where the, the fruit is not flourishing for all of humanity. The fruit is imprisonment and destruction and decay. James says that our whole body is stained by our words. It's like as if we're wearing a, you know, white clothing and our words are just these stains that just, spill all over us and reveal the reality about us. You know, I can try to dance around and use my words to change your perception of me, but at the end of the day, you just look at all the words that I've said and it reveals the reality of who I am and where my heart is. And it's ugly. And instead of the bit in the horse's mouth that is keeping them back, it, it, our words are unbridled and they just run loose 
throughout the world, throughout my life, throughout your life, just complicating and damaging me and you and everyone who hears them. And he says, this blazing fire is actually powered by hell. Is powered by the enemy. If you think about, if you're a Stranger Things fan, it's been a while since I've gone back to that well. Um, these portals between the upside down and, and our world, it's like, that's what happens when I speak, is I'm opening a portal for the enemy, for the blackest, most wicked monster to come through my mouth into this world to do his will. So if we're not taking our words seriously now, that... <laughs> When that picture came to me, I thought, yeah, that's, that's accurate and that's really terrifying. And to think about all the, all the times and all the ways that I've been a channel for the enemy of God and the enemy of humanity to enter into this world and to shape reality into what is not reality for all the people around me, especially the people I love, my family, my friends, this community. It is a world of unrighteousness And why we are here, why we are starting at this place is, is because of what James tells us in verse 7 and 8. As, as amazing and wild and powerful as all of the creatures that God's created, most of those we have been able to tame. But this tiny muscle in our mouth, no one is able to tame the tongue. Like we have to start there. We have to appreciate the reality that we live in is that we all have a problem and we are, we are not in control because I, I cannot control my tongue because I can't control my heart and I cannot control my tongue because I cannot fully control my flesh and I cannot control my tongue because I cannot control, I do not in myself have power over the enemy. And I'll just tell you all this week, as I was thinking about this, um, it was really discouraging because I was actively aware in a way that I haven't been in a long time about the words that were coming out of my mouth. And here's what happened. What happened was the words that were coming out of my mouth were actually better to some extent than they usually are because I was taking my thoughts captive and thinking about what was coming out of my mouth. But then I would get to places where I lost control. And I, I couldn't even, as I was thinking about it, I couldn't even control all the words coming out of my mouth. And I said words that I didn't want to say. But here's what was more damning. It was not the words that came out of my mouth, it's the words that didn't make it out of my mouth. It's the words that I said that I, I had to actively restrain and did. But if I, I mean, do you realize like what we've just said right there? Like the fact that I'm having to actively restrain these words means that that's what is in me that wants to come out. And it's all of these words that I started taking stock of those words and my knee-jerk reactions and responses to people and situations. And it was ugly and it was dark. And, it, and guess what? It's always ugly and dark. I just wasn't paying attention until this week. <laughs> and, and this week, um, if y'all follow our prompts, like uh, we've been having every week, you'll see that it's ugly and dark. And it's always been that way, even when you weren't paying attention to it. And so what do we do? 
Because I literally got to a place where it was so bad, the words that were going on in my head, that I started wondering, do I really know Jesus? Like, have I really been saved from this old life because of all the things that keep running through my head that are so ugly, so evil, so selfish? And thank God, thank God he led me to this passage that if it's not familiar to you, uh, make it familiar to you. This is Romans 7, the end of Romans 7, starting in verse 21 and in the beginning of chapter 8. Paul says this, another disciple of Jesus. So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, my new man and my spirit. But I see in my body, my flesh, another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my flesh. Wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I, I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, I still serve the law of sin. But there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. That means like we just could not keep the law. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So what Jesus has done, my words have condemned me. The words that didn't make it out of my mouth have condemned me, that my heart is bad. Jesus said, a bad tree produces bad fruit, and a good tree produces good fruit. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and what is abundant in my heart is bad. And that is why I need a savior. And he says, so he sent his only son in the flesh to live a perfect life, so that he could take my condemnation on himself without deserving it, so that he could actually carry it for me. He lived a perfect and holy life, did not deserve condemnation, but I did, so he took my condemnation on himself, and now through that exchange has given me his perfect righteousness. And that is the good news of the gospel. I will never talk myself out of condemnation. I will never speak or do anything to earn God's favor or God's forgiveness, but he has given it to me freely. And now there is a new power working in me. And if you are in Christ, there's a new power working in you. It is the, the Holy Spirit, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work in our members, in our bodies. And there is a war now. As Paul talks about in Galatians 5, there is a war in here between my body of flesh and the spirit. So, we get back to our passage here, and this is our reality, starting in verse nine. With our mouth we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in his image. From the same mouth now come blessing and cursing. 
My brothers, these things ought not to be so. A spring can't produce salt and fresh water. A fig tree does not bear olives. So what he is saying is now, until Jesus returns, we will still stumble in many ways. We all stumble in many ways. We, our mouth is a spring of fresh water and salt water. It is not totally pure. But the good news is that there's actually fresh water coming out of it now because there wasn't any before because of the work of the Holy Spirit. Why does God have the Holy Spirit working in us in this slow way and, and does not just completely change all of us like that? I don't know. I mean, I have some ideas, but we're not gonna get into that today. But that is the journey that we're on, is that now our mouths are capable of producing fresh water, and they still produce salt water. And there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. We don't ever have to fear condemnation anymore, but as James said, these things should not be this way. So we also don't just sit back and say, oh well, because there's a new power at work within us. There's new life, and it is according to the spirit, not according to the flesh. And so it's this call now that we are apprenticing Jesus to submit ourselves, our lives, our words to him. And listen to this from John 14, 10. Jesus says, do you not believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Jesus is saying that the Father dwells in him and that what he says is not what he wants to say. It's whatever the Father is calling him to say. And y'all, that is true of us now in Christ. The Holy Spirit of Jesus lives in us. And now it is possible for us to speak words of life just like he did, to bring healing, to bring renewal, to bring new life, to bring forgiveness. Like all of that is possible through our words because they're his words. So what do we do? We, we need to be convicted by our words and we need to run to him for help and for healing. And then we get to experience the new life that he brings as he answers those prayers and changes the words that are coming out of our mouths. Um, if you throw the prompt up. Here's our prompt for the week. Just ask for the Holy Spirit's help to pay attention to what you're saying. And not just what you're saying out loud, but what you're saying in your heart. And notice where is God convicting you of sin, of using words in a wrong way? Where is he healing you? Where does he want to speak to you in love? And where does he want to speak through you to somebody else? But I, I believe it is so important for us to, to walk through this exercise and to experience what it is to not just speak uncontrollably like a forest fire that's just cruising through and like eating up acres without even thinking about the words that are coming out of our mouth, but to pause and to be thoughtful and to give space for the Holy Spirit to speak to us before we say anything. And so now we get to um, celebrate the Lord's table. And we get to experience in a tangible way the word of God 
spoken through his son Jesus, the word of God that we can touch and taste and see and smell and receive and know that what he has said, his promises that we are not condemned, that he dwells in us and he is growing something new and beautiful, that that is all true. He knows that we are weak and frail, that's why he's given us physical signs and seals of what is true. And so this, this mystery that is the Lord's Supper, Jesus says, I am calling you to keep this meal until I return. You need it, it is a gift, it is a strengthening that I will accomplish through what is happening in this meal. And Jesus initiates this, the night that he was betrayed, he takes the bread with his disciples, breaks it and says, this is my body that's broken for you. I was broken to be condemned in your place so that you could have life and you need me. You need to feed on me, you cannot survive apart from me. And this, this wine, this cup that is poured out, this wine is actually my blood. It is the new blood of a new covenant. You are no longer under God's wrath because of your sin and the sinful words that come out of your mouth. You are, you are now God's sons and daughters. You are deeply loved by him and you are covered and you're forgiven and you're free. So as you drink this cup, it is not God's wrath. It is the celebration of union with God that we will celebrate in the new heavens and the new earth with the greatest wedding feast that's ever been held. And so if, if you are someone who is trusting in Jesus, even if it's the first time today, this table is for you. This table is for anyone who says, I am a sinner and I need a savior. I cannot save myself. And Jesus alone is that savior. Then come and take freely. Eat and drink and taste and see that the Lord is good and that he loves you. Um, if you are not in that place, we'd ask that you just not partake of this meal. Um, but if you, if you are coming up to partake of this meal um, and you need prayer, um, just feel free to raise a hand and say so. And we would love to also pray for you as well. Um, so uh, you're welcome when you're ready. We're gonna have... Uh, Lucas and, and the team lead us in worship. Whenever you're ready, you can line up and uh, come to any of these three tables, and, uh, and we would love to serve you. Father, uh, thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that your word brings life. Even though our words bring death, your words bring life, and we pray that you would not leave us as we are today. Lord, that you continue your good work of renewing and changing and transforming us so that our mouths would be portals not of hell, but of heaven. That you would work through us and speak through us to bring words of life uh, to those around us. And in Jesus' name, amen.